Cultivator did a good job promoting this. So you kind of, you see that who the mentors are ahead of time. We did the mentor sessions yesterday with, it was like speed dating for startups, which I thought was really, really cool. Welcome to Startupville, the show where we discuss what it's like to build a tech startup and a startup ecosystem in a small city. I'm your producer, Ariel Delorier, and we're back with part two of the 2022 Startup Summit mini-series. Joining us once again in the Startupville Thunderdome is our special guest host, Mike Wellsfeld. Startup Summit is a local conference that focuses on connecting founders, mentors, and investors from across North America through curated one-to-one sessions, workshops, keynotes, and panel discussions. If you haven't heard part one yet, pause now and go check it out. Head back into the Startupville Thunderdome with us right now as we continue speaking with exciting guests from all across our beautiful nation. Welcome to Startupville. This special episode of Startupville is brought to you by Cultivator, Innovation Saskatchewan, and Martin Charlton Communications. First up, we're chatting with Albert Jamie, partner and director of strategy at Zoo. Zoo is a digital products and services firm based here in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. They create, deploy, and manage user-centered digital solutions through an end-to-end offering of strategy, design, and development. All right, so we are live on location here at the Startup Summit at Cultivator HQ in Regina with Albert. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Give me a little bit of the elevator pitch. Uh, who's, who's Albert and then what do you do? Yeah, I work for a company called Zoo um, in Saskatchewan. We're like in Saskatoon and we're kind of like this old traditional digital agency. And I kind of say that jokingly, but uh, we've just been around for 27 years in digital, which is kind of surprising. And we're not like an ad agency, but we're more of a design consultancy that helps you build and develop products and services. So a lot of websites, applications, internal applications, but we're also like, a digital consultancy it's helping like enterprise companies kind of work through their problems to do with digital technology innovation um, but yeah but the big thing is that we really are human-centered and we advocate for design more than the average technology firm would do and so we really have a good split between design design strategists UX UI designers design research and the whole gamut of developers that you would expect normally at a technical consulting firm. So I think that's probably the, the big pitch, what makes us a little bit different. I'm terrible at it. I, I just <laughs> say different things every time we, people ask me about the company. So Awesome. So yeah, so uh, a tech-forward digital agency um, in the services side of space. We're here at Startup Summit. Um, what brings a digital agency to, uh, to, to the Startup Summit? Yeah, you know, it's funny. Like we're, we, we service and help enterprise so like big multinationals huge governments and and typically bigger clients but our heart is always at this sort of like grassroots entrepreneurial movement and when cultivator asked us to kind of be a part of it we were super excited because we always feel like we've been in the industry building you know like applications like multiple applications a year all different types all different complexities so we do have a lot to offer the you know and mentor a lot of these people who are just starting out who have so much to learn and are super super eager so our angle that we come to here is like you know we, we do have a lot of developers but you know there's a lot of developers talking about you know technology what stack you should be using what tools you should be using like how to scale in, in that world but I don't think there's a lot of people who talk about like the design side and the, the approach design and so that's what we kind of came here to kind of represent and advocate for the humans on the other end who are going to be using your products and teaching like a lot of these organizations don't have the budget or the the ability to hire like a senior UX or design staff so a lot of times the founder or the engineers or even the business analysts or marketing person 
turn out to be the end up the, the de facto designer. And so we have to kind of pump their tires to make sure that they understand that they're actually designers and they need to understand what that means. And so pushing some sort of process and approach that really bodes well for the user is really what we're trying to kind of advocate for. And so I think that's where we come in versus some of the other kind of speakers and companies that are here. Sweet, sweet. Yeah, so Zoo's been around for, for a long time now and you've been talking about, you know, design thinking and, and all this sort of stuff, you know, before design thinking was really a word in the in the business lexicon, before we were talking about UX and product management, like what have you seen like in sort of the evolution of the thinking around this? Like we've seen our startup scene grow. Like are people, you know, is this more of a common way of thinking about things now or, or how are you seeing that kind of progression over the years? Yeah, there's a lot I could say about that. I would say that we probably came into the term or around 2007. Like I said, I would start probably 2002. So for five years, we would just be not aimlessly doing design, but we would probably just not have much design research into the, the stuff that we're doing. Very little about who the, we're designing for. We actually had graphic designers who were really more about the aesthetic and understanding like, yeah, they worry about the usability, but we didn't go to the level of like proving why this is a certain way and what desi design decision was done a certain way. But how it's evolved in say business and just general, like the, the regular world is uh, pretty impressive. And I, it's gotten to a point where I think that I've said it in my presentation that design thinking is almost like a cliche term that uh, really I'd like to say it's more of a human centered approach because I don't think that's going to go out of style, but design thinking very much like kind of web 2.0 will be overused <laughs> and misused by executives in suits going, hey, we need to design think our way out of this problem or hey, make it more web 2.0 kind of thing. So I'm already trying to encourage our staff and the people to just go it's like a human-centered approach and when I explain it to people I'm like I'm not like a very smart guy but all it is I'm just maybe more per, uh, persuasive because it's not a complicated complex to I mean uh, concept to understand it's basically come up with an idea or like do some research figure out what the main problem is come up with a lot of, a lot of ideas prototype the best one and then test it it's not a very hard concept. <laughs> the only thing is that implementing is really complicated because sometimes you're going through layers of management trying to get other people to buy into that process because a lot of people just want to maybe use a spreadsheet or kind of talk, talk it out and then cross all their T's, dot all their I's before they actually go off and design something, which could be six months, eight months before they start doing anything versus going, let's just try something right now, tomorrow, tonight, and get somebody to give us some feedback and we'll see what happens. Um, that's simplifying it to like a really granular level, but we don't like have to worry too much about the details right now. But I would say that businesses are starting to, after they get more exposure to it, it takes about three exposures to like hearing the word design thinking before they're kind of like, oh, maybe I should use this. And so we're starting to see it more and people are coming to us to say, we want your approach rather than going, hey, we want, we like the website you just designed or the application. Can you do it for us? They don't really know how we got there, but a lot of people now are starting, and we've you know, been branding ourselves as a sort of advocate for this process and this sort of thinking. So it's starting to kind of take shape and uh, it's really kind of neat to see. Yeah, awesome. And it, it all makes sense. I mean, like when you lay it out like that, right? Like you're designing a product for humans. So if you use a process that can make it easier for humans to use it, then it all makes sense. But you know, in, in terms of the founder's journey, right? Like you often see a lot of founders, they're, they're building products, they, they 
come from a technical side and or the or a business side and they're worried about building something that customers want to pay for um, and then oftentimes though design is sort of a bit of like a we'll get to it when we get to it sort of thing right so but then you have other founders you know Airbnb is a great example of like you know the founders were designers and thinking about design from the start yeah like when do you think a founder should start to prioritize design in the way that they're building their product or should they be doing that from day one? I think it's a day one thing and uh, I've, I have a lot of friends who are the, like founders and who've exited too and a lot of them echo the same sort of thing. It's like invest in your UX and I've had, I've lived with some of them and I've just watched them like not do that for the first five years and then finally hire somebody at the high level of UX and UI and research and then they started realizing that's when they started seeing the gains. And again, I'm simplifying and making it sound like that's the only thing. Obviously, you need beautiful technology. You need like very smart people, good marketing. But if your experience isn't optimized, and you're in a very competitive space, you're gonna have a, like you're always just gonna be putting yourself behind to being adopted or to engage the users. And then there's also gonna be a lot of options out there for people to want to go use outside of your your application so if you can start adopting it and it's not just adopting it and going we're going to do design i think it's more about living the life of a designer not to sound so like philosophical but i think there's people who appreciate design and people who like fashion and whatever and then there's people who like actually think like design they're critical thinkers more critically than you would imagine everything they look at and think that they can improve and they think, why would it be designed that way? They're always asking why. And I think that trying to jump into that world and understand what how they think will get you closer to thinking like a designer. Again, not in the aesthetic side of things, but just always questioning things is kind of at the root, a lot of the design kind of mentality. So I would say at the, the most is like, don't just use Instagram, like almost click the button and ask yourself, what, what would I expect would happen after this? Like almost predict to see if you can actually predict the next flow and see, and then ask why, oh, that's interesting. It's different than I thought it was going to be. Like it's now a list that was different than what I thought it was going to be based upon this icon. Why did I expect, like just constantly break it down. I hate the fact that I can't watch TV commercials or movies anymore without actually trying to always dissect and reverse engineer it. And that's like almost the way that like a lot of founders who really experience, they're constantly thinking about how does this get done? There's a like, uh, just a like story. I was just out last night with somebody from SGI and they pointed him out to this app. I don't know if you've ever seen it. I don't know the name of the app, but he pointed to the guy who's built the app in Saskatoon in Regina. And it's an app that you control and play a golf game and there's right, a warehouse yeah. somewhere in Regina that has like a physical golf club and a mini golf course that has robotic arms swinging the club and you can control the power, you can control everything and it's all automatic. Yeah. And then they have this whole gamified system and community. I don't know what it is. Do you know what the, the name of it is? It's like I'm One Shot Golf or One something? Shot Golf, that's the one, yeah. And when it, like the, the whole time I'm just like, my mind's going a million miles an hour just trying to figure out all these problems, almost like functional requirements on how you build this. And just, I was so impressed at how like awesome it was and how interesting it was. I'm just thinking about the future, what, what, what it could do, what it opens up. Could you control like actual go-karts, like physical go-karts and thinking like the world of video games could totally change if you're actually controlling real things. And it just blew my mind, but it was also really well done. But you know, people in our industry always go, wow, first of all, it was pretty well designed. And everything in there works so smoothly. And I was thinking about like the business model and I was thinking about like 
how many people are in the actual warehouse at the time? Like, what happens if something actually breaks? Like, <laughs> what happens, you know? Uh, but yeah, that to me, it's like I can't enjoy that. I'm more just trying to break <laughs> it down and, and, and it just fueling my ideas. So yeah, that's yeah. kind of, again, but I'm not even like the, the creative guy at the office. Like, I'm just the person who just like has to source that creativity. But uh, like, but I'm glad that like, I think that way because everybody in my company or our company just always thinks that way. So yeah, yeah, no, I love that. And it's part about like being in the startup scene or the tech scene. You start to like kind of see how everything's made behind the scenes and yeah, sure. start to analyze stuff like that. Yeah, no, yeah, we love the one shot golf team. It's almost like reverse metaverse at this point. I don't yeah, know what and that, but I just thought <laughs> and, uh, when we had a huge debate around the table of like, nobody's going to use this for real and I'm like my buddy's playing this for real like, <laughs> if you can create the social aspect around it that I think it'll have something and then it just maybe this is the prototype maybe this is the Amazon bookstore of the just the very first version and then you're controlling other things the opposite of the metaverse you know the inverse of it yeah. you're controlling real people real things robotically which I'm sure it's been done somewhere else I, that's just usually where my brain goes but I thought it was pretty rad <laughs> that's great let's uh um, wrap things up here, but before we get going, uh, we always uh, want to make sure that our listeners can uh, can get in touch with our guests. So, uh, how can people get in touch with you? Yeah, no, like you can go to zoo.com, zu.com, and you can find us. Anybody's really accessible. Like I'm personally available on like a lot of channels. I'm not really visiting any of these like social channels very often, but it's just Albert Jamie J A M E. That's just like my handle on any on anything. Uh, LinkedIn all the way to Instagram, I guess. I don't really use it, but. Uh, but yeah, my email is like a at zoo.com, like easiest email, shortest email <laughs> in the world if you need to get a hold of me. And we always invite people. If you want to take a tour of zoo and just understand how I said the sausage is made, it's like, but uh, yeah, we've just been here for a long time and really like to share and like help it to grow the industry. And I'm super excited to see where it's going. Perfect. Thanks for joining us. No problem. Thank you for having me. Next in the hot seat is Stephanie Boone, Head of People and Operations at 54E Dev Studios. 54E Dev Studios, based in Regina, Saskatchewan, is a real-life game development company that combines robotics and real-time video technologies for a true-to-life gaming experience. All right, we are at Startup Summit with Stephanie Boone. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Excited to be here. Awesome. So your company actually came up in one of our earlier interviews today. Let's hear it direct from the source. <laughs> All right, I'm Stephanie Boone. I am the head of people and operations at 54E Dev Studios here in Regina. Uh, we are a tech startup and we are building a connected reality technology that gives people control of real world robotics uh, in real time from their mobile device. So our first uh, product that we've launched is One Shot Golf. It's a robotics mini golf game that gives real people uh, real connected control over golfing robots in our warehouse here in Regina that we've, we've built and uh, they play competitive mini golf in an esports level uh, against people from North America. Yeah, this is one of my favorite startups in, <laughs> in Saskatchewan. It's so cool. I played the game. So cool. I love it. Yeah. I know you guys have like a lot of players on there. So yeah. you're a tech startup yep. that does low latency software. Yep. Plus robotics, yep. plus a physical warehouse in the real world where golf balls are being 
putt in the holes That's and right. it's also a game and yep. there's all of that community and, and brand building and mm-hmm. and stuff in the video gaming side of things like yep. how do you bring that all together into like one cohesive company yeah. <laughs> like you're the people people person yep. how do you get all those different like talented people working towards one shared goal yeah, so like we have an amazing, amazing team of people at 54E. Um, a lot of us have uh, worked together previously at a former startup, Gaspuddy. Um, so we kind of have built a really good foundation and expertise in certain areas. Uh, another thing, like you said, it is you know the robotics piece. We've got a software piece, so um, it's really attracting for you know developer like folks uh, when we have a hardware component too. So we have people actually building and programming robots and the software side of thing, you know, building the app side. Um, so I think it's kind of like a really unique uh, opportunity that we can, we can uh, promote within, within Regina to build out a pretty cool working environment. Um, as for, you know, marketing, community, and stuff like that, uh, Gas Buddy, back in the day, very community-heavy uh, with our users. That was crowdsourced. Um, we had a ton of traction and user base with that. Uh, One Shot Golf, very similar, very community-based. Um, we have a Discord community of about 6,000 people in our Discord right now. Uh, we're interacting with all of them on a different level. Our customer support, user experience, definitely, definitely focus, number one. Uh, very similar to the Gas Buddy, um, how, we, how we built Gas Buddy, I guess. Uh, so taking a lot of that stuff over to 54E. Awesome. Yeah, so you guys, you've had a lot of traction with, with this game. People putting golf balls from yeah. around the world yeah. <laughs> in a warehouse in Regina. Two warehouses. <laughs> two warehouses. We have two warehouses wow. full of robots. Yeah. Um, and it's just like a fascinating piece of technology. You're almost like flipping the metaverse on its head yeah. and doing things in the real world. Yeah. Um, where do you see is sort of like the future of this technology? Is is it more consumer applications like this and games and reverse metaverse, or yeah. are there industrial applications? Where are the set? Where's this headed? Oh, we have big, big ambitions, and you know, Dustin and Tim, obviously, our our founders, might be uh, the better ones to talk to about like the you know, where our focus right now is on one shot golf and kind of perfecting. We've really kind of um, really spent a lot of time perfecting the low latency part of it and the video technology, um, and obviously the building of the robots. We our team is amazing. We do it quickly and efficiently for you know everything that we've built up to scale so far. Um, so now we're kind of like really honing in on you know the the marketing aspects and you know the in-game features and stuff like that and kind of just still the focus on one shot golf. Um, but definitely our technology can be used in many other verticals where people can control some sort of robotic in real time from their mobile device. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. And so you're growing really fast right now, like you've raised some capital, you're adding more people to the team. How do you, as the, the people person, the company, how do you work to balance growth with culture building, with making sure that like you're always focused on that North Star and not getting stra- distracted by all the shiny things yeah. that are out there? How do you yeah. do that? Uh, I think for us, you know, we're, we're very humble in our approach to a lot of things. And uh, 
when we are, you know, anything from recruiting, uh, try and be as transparent as possible. You know, you are coming into a startup. It's, you know, we say it's the chaotic at the best of times. So being able to um, have that grit of an early stage startup to kind of, you know, hit the ground running, uh, fit in with the team. Uh, we're very, very uh, transparent on our goals. We celebrate a bunch of wins. Um, and make sure everyone's kind of just like passionate about the project. You know, our, it doesn't matter if it's our hardware team, our software team, marketing, support. Uh, everyone knows what's going on with every department in the company and we're all willing to kind of jump in and lend a helping hand, even if, except if it's developing, I can't, I can't, <laughs> I can't do any of the technical stuff there, but um, really kind of everyone just pitches in. It's really amazing team and just focus on on growing that and selective of who we're bringing in that's awesome like just pure startup life coming yeah. from gas yeah. buddy and all your yeah. experience there and applying it this next one yeah so we're here at startup summit yes. you are a startup but you're also you've been doing this for a really long time so you're kind of playing like you're a mentor role in this community but you're also sort of growing and building this company like tell me a little bit like in your history working in tech and now building this company, like what role does community play in, in what you're building? Yeah, so I kind of thought about this question a little bit before and it's, you know, you think about this like tech, tech community now and I'm thinking back to when I joined Gas Buddy, we didn't really have any of this. You know, we were at, we just moved into Innovation Place in 2009 or 2010, whenever we moved over there. and. It was really, you know, within within Regina, uh, between us and IQ Metrics, uh, we were, you know, trying to host some hackathons and stuff like that, and really get something going. Like there was no collabs, there was no, um, there was no uh, cultivator. Um, a lot of these events weren't happening. So now I think, you know, more than ever, there's so many resources available for people to kind of just reach out uh you know the tech incubators they they just have so many resources at their disposal that can really really help them and um you know obviously our team myself dustin and tim we love coming and giving back uh to to these communities and sharing our wealth of knowledge whether anyone takes it or not uh we love coming and you know just sharing our past stories and maybe maybe it will help the the next founder get awesome to yeah so at a conference like this, if you had any advice for like first time founder, you know, getting introduced to the community, like how can you make the most out of this kind of experience? Yeah, I think, you know, that I went to the first morning panel this morning uh, on people and culture, which is like my passion. And it was like amazing. Loved hearing from all of it. Uh, but the, the networking, the networking sessions really super important for, for the founders to uh, kind of, you know, go around and meet new people, get out of your comfort zone a little bit and uh, just hear, hear the stories. Um, Cultivator did a good job promoting this. So you kind of, you see that who the mentors are ahead of time. We did the mentor sessions yesterday with, it was like speed dating for startups, which I thought was really, really cool. Um, got to talk to four great startups that are up and coming and there was 25 or so mentors, 30 mentors in there too. So it was a very beneficial day, I think, for, for a lot of these young startups just getting off the ground. Yeah, just soak it all up. Talk soak to it as all many up. Yes, yes. Yeah, it's great. These events are amazing for it. And, you know, I think the tech, the SaskTech community, very supportive. So, like, 
you know, if they're needing to reach out to anyone specifically, anyone really will blend in and, you know, share, share insights or helping hand when needed. Yeah. Speaking of reaching out, um, we always like to make sure that uh, our listeners can get in touch with our guests here in Startup Phil. So yeah. how can people get in touch with you? Yeah. So uh, probably LinkedIn. Um, our 54E website, uh, there, there is a contact email on there, which comes into my inbox as well. But LinkedIn, probably Stephanie Boone on LinkedIn, um, probably the best way to get in contact with me. Perfect. So Stephanie Boone. And 54E. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Our final guest on the Startup Summit mini-series joining us all the way from Montreal, Quebec, is Jan Arp, founding managing partner at the Holt Exchange. The Holt Exchange is a global seed stage venture capital fund investing in fintech business app companies across the globe. Okay, we are live on location at the Startup Summit in Regina at the Cultivator HQ with Jan Arp here from the Holt Exchange. Jan, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me and great to be here in Regina. Awesome. So tell me a little about yourself. Who's, who's Jan Arp and uh, what is the whole, whole exchange? Sure. Uh, I'm someone who's been very impassioned about solving for financial services as I think that is one of the largest ways to improve society for the better. Uh, through these causes, eventually I bumped into a fifth generation family office. There's a lot of those in Canada. And uh, they also had a willingness to give back to the early stage ecosystem, fintech ecosystem. And as you know, five generations, they understand wealth preservation and finance and, and all that good stuff. So they also want to kick off a fintech fund. So we joined forces, launched a, a fintech fund, uh, really a global fintech fund, the most active, I'd say, in, in Canada. We're up to 39 investments. We just announced four new ones. Uh, we, the PR piece went uh, yesterday in terms of who we're investing. But uh, yeah, we also are matched with now 600 advisors. Though they're all those that are interested in early stage fintech, everything before series A. And we profile them, we understand what they're looking for. And then we go off with our data science team track through 10,000 fintechs, whittle through. Before we invest, they meet up to 100 of our advisors. So that way we can identify the best fit with uh, our network so that when we do invest, we're solving for market timing. We're going to get potentially some other investors and some customers and that whole process. So that's a bit uh, about us in a nutshell. That's awesome. Yeah. So it sounds like you have a lot of energy around this thing. Fintech's a really hot space. Everybody wants their hands on it. How do you go about like building trust with your, your investors and, and, and the people you work with? Yeah, it's a great question. And trust is paramount in financial services, first and foremost, right? If, it's, if, if, you can, if it breaks real quick, you're going to lose everything that you build for. So uh, with the advisors that we work with, there is, you know, we just try to have, be very value add and providing them things that we think they would enjoy. And if they don't, then it's not necessarily fit. So for instance, when we first meet some advisors, I mean, we've handpicked them to begin with. And then as we're going through, we're, we're starting to make referrals to them like here here are some list of companies which ones do you like we review with our portfolio companies and we start to engage it and we play that sort of mediator in between so we're assessing it on both sides and we're trying to always obsess with giving value to to both parties all parties in the equation but also for the advisors ensuring we engage them with the right style of company at the right time very senior folks can be quite picky with their time as deservedly so uh, so we want to make sure that we optimize that for them and they get a great experience through that whole thing. And through time, of course, we were, we're quite generous in the way that 
you know, we've had a lot of, for those who give into the system, we ensure that we prioritize and weight their decisions accordingly. So the more that they're adding to, to the ecosystem we've built, the more that they're influencing the type of companies that we invest in, or the, the better the opportunities at the front of line to potentially invest into those deals as well alongside us, or that will, you know, help navigate with other fellow startups that were there. So it's, uh, you know, we have a bit of a process to get there and it's certainly built up through time. And that's how we've gotten to 600 advisors. We had 75 at the start up to 600 and getting new ones isn't a challenge, but, uh, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's been a fun, fun journey. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So yeah, FinTech is a, it's a big and fast growing space right now. You look at all of the top 10 lists of fastest growing startups in pretty much any country and nine of them are FinTech companies, but it's also a space that's sort of ripe for snake oil salesman type thing. So like using a, a Saskatchewan phrase, how, how do you, or what would be your secret sauce for separating the wheat from the chaff, if you will? I'm sure you get pitched by hundreds of startups you've invested in, you said 39. Um, how do you, like, what's your special sauce for, for figuring out who's really onto something? It's a, it's a great question. I, I don't know if there's any more in one industry relative to another, but I will say that there's certainly um, math. You have to be careful, right? They're like... These are people's money at stake. There's high regulations in place. Uh, if you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing, there's legal battles. There's you know potentially jail time. So you know you need to take this very seriously. And you know financial health is incredibly important to people. So in, in, in to building a better society for all. So you really want to be make sure that you're picking the right people that embody and champion that uh, who are yeah not the snake oil there. Our approach is that way, first of all, we're tracking 10,000 fintechs globally, right? So we built a data science team, we're pulling, we built multiple, for lack of a better word, scrapers and other areas to pull information and augment that information. And then we've built our own ranking system so we could target the best ones with more personalized messaging is, is how we go about doing it. Uh, in doing uh, that, we're able to then sort of be more efficient with our time so that we can be in front of the best companies. And before we invest, we actually have the top companies as we're going through the funnel, like for lack of a better term, but that's really what investors are. It's almost a sales funnel, investment funnel. Uh, we at, uh, ensure that the top companies meet upwards of 100 of our advisors. And so you're seeing a couple things. You're seeing how that team can navigate the wisdom of the expert crowd. There's, there's a lot of theory around the wisdom of the crowd, but even more so, what's proven to be powerful is the wisdom of the expert crowd. And so see how they handle themselves with you know, different questions, whether it's specific in the vertical or specific skill set, right? They, that they have to have specific to their to the company that they're building, uh, but as well as we're solving for market timing in this, um, in, in the sense that that's been the core thesis. So that way, we can also identify other investors, potential customers, and other experts who want to join those companies in it. So it's a long process. We cut off then first check. Uh, and we, you know, gate the follow-ons as we continue to work with them. So then we further minimize risk of follow-on investments, but, you know, have a pretty aggressive uh, scouting uh, on due diligence process up front. Awesome. Yeah. So in that due diligence process, if you had any advice for any founders in the fintech space or founders in general that are looking to get into like the top of your funnel or the top of the funnel of other uh, investors and getting into those conversations, um, what would you say they should, should get, be getting up to I think first and foremost is, I mean, getting yourself ready to fundraise, right? So I think you need to think about if you want to fundraise, that's the objective. What do you need to get there? I like to see the world in four big buckets. There's products, market, financing, and team, right? So you need to have those 
relevant to yourself and you, and you need to get them to a stage for which will give you the highest probability of success for that round that you're aiming to get to. Maybe you're already there or maybe some need work. Maybe you're already there and you just need to better tell the story of it so you unpack it, which is very important uh, in the whole process as well. Once that's pretty much locked down, and you don't have to, it doesn't have to be exclusive, you can work on tenant because you should be reaching out to investors as well to figure out, validate what are those objectives and build the relationships. I love when I meet a founder early and they say, hey, I'm going to go off and do ABC things. I'll come back to you and, you know, I'm not, I'm not raising because I know, you know, it's not ready yet. Uh, and then, you know, let's discuss at that point. I find that a huge level of maturity, right? And they've created the time versus like the desperate at get cash now to be able to get to that point. Um, and so there's, that's a bit of, and it's hard for founders to, to see that, but in some cases they would have been better off doing that from the start versus really trying to force a round that's not there. It's all probabilities, right? So you're just trying to maximize the chances of raising your round and minimizing the friction of being able to do that. I love when founders reach out with very personalized messages. They've done their homework. So that comes back to then identify the key leads, investor leads, build a big channel and really do your homework on those investors and then reach out with personalized message. And, and therefore, when you're, you're targeting them, there's a higher probability that they're going to be a fit anyways. More often, I'm getting way too much spam. You know, we'll throw it in our system. But it's, am I going to hop on a call founder? No. Like uh, if, if they're making unique questions, uh, points and, and requesting guidance and well in this process, you know, there's a much higher, significantly higher probability that, that I'm going to hop on a call, and especially if we're at the events, like that's your best chance to obviously get in front of them and, and get that build that rapport. And because you kind of want the, the, the investors to kind of timestamp you at a certain time, right? And with the frame and then, and then set yourself up when you see them again, potentially to have passed that. Again, depending, maybe you're already there and you can raise around now. So, you know, you're just trying to close them and rent, but regardless, investors do take a little bit of time. So and a, that's a bit of kind of tips. I mean, there's, there's lots you can do, right? <laughs> I don't know if that's uh, somewhat helpful. Yeah. Yeah. No. So you talked about meeting investors at, at events. So we're here at the startup summit here in Regina at the Cultivator HQ. You came all the way from uh, Montreal to be here. Yeah. What are your thoughts so far and the time you've spent here on uh, on the conference and then and by extension the Saskatchewan tech ecosystem? Yeah, no, it's, it's it's fantastic to be here. To be honest, we have uh, guilty in the sense of not heading towards the the Prairie region, most specifically Saskatchewan and Manitoba. Uh, biggest reason is just we're a small team and. We're globally in focus and we're trying to identify the uh, certain population of fintech startups that are there. So there is still a, a, an earlier but smaller number of fintechs here, but that's the point of being here as well. I look at the ecosystem and I think it reminds me a bit of different ecosystems at, at different times. You know, Montreal 15 years ago took some time to really get started. Uh, and that's where, you know, at first fund would get kind of popped up. They were starting to invest uh, early stage. They ran some accelerator stuff. Um, and then the ecosystem come together. There'd be events that brought people together. So, you know, eventually there was something called Startup Fest. A lot of people from Saskatchewan, I know were already there in July over there. We ran a mini event there at the same time. So some of them came to, it's great to meet some of them, the fintech folks on that side. So what we're seeing is, you know, there's starting to be a base, a foundation of, uh, investors and that's incredibly crucial uh, you know mentors motivated people in teams that that you know you can build from right and so what we saw with uh, it's like startup TNT has been doing a fantastic job I like this new positioning of really branding the prairies as a collective whole and then identifying the angel investors and bringing new ones in and training them and, and getting the, and there's some that are here that are just willing to cut those checks and learn they have enough they're accredited, and so they, they also have enough play money, for lack of a better term, 
uh, and so that, but that's what you need. And you, and there's a lot more of them here. There's, there's probably more than, 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 um, than we're fully aware of. So it takes time to build that network of people to be able to f further invest into those companies. Uh, and so that's a good foundation. I think there's a good base and then you have cultivator and they're running the events and the spaces. You need a cadence throughout the year, right? Of activity where people get together and, and talk and then start to exchange and deals. And the people I've met here are very motivated to do deals together and they're pretty willing to cut things in different areas and build a rapport in a, in a smart manner too, right? It's not, they're not just chucking money everywhere. It's, it's things that do align with what they want to do. The other side I think is the, the startup ecosystem. I was very pleasantly surprised at the stage of the companies. There's a certain grit to the companies. You know, I think I uh, heard someone say it well, right? You know, Saskatchewan is a bit of the hardworking sort of type of people that you get here. And you see that kind of embedded into the startups themselves. They are, uh, I've saw some companies, just the way that they've, built their traction and grinded to get, you know, 2,400 businesses onto to, to their company to get to a million ARR. I'm like, that is, that was a grind that you could tell that was, they were you know, hungry to be able to do that and motivate and, and took it all in a very humble fashion. There's a lot of humility out here, uh, which, which is very appreciated for investors. You know, you always appreciate where ask for advice and you'll get money, ask for money, you get advice. So you're getting a lot of that. I would say, however, you know, there needs to be a little bit more salesmanship right and so in doing so i mean the best comparison is the u.s counterparts i mean canada as a whole is not good at it uh and and that's that fine line of of posturing uh I, not misleading your investors or people around you but finding that line of truth and selling that a little harder uh to be able to close your rounds a little bit more quickly and command that fomo that's in there of your rounds um but on the flip side as an investor what I'm seeing is really, really great valuations. So that's great. So if, hey, if you're paying attention to this fellow investors, you know, you're looking for some good discounted, great price startups, I think it's a great opportunity to come in right now. Awesome. Yeah, no, it's always been one of my favorite parts of the, the, the Saskatchewan and the prairies in general. Nobody lives in the prairies uh, and stakes their flag here if they're not willing to check their ego at the door. Mm. Um, it can be our, our, our greatest blessing and also our greatest curse, like you say, on the sales side, the promotion yep. side. You know, we're not... Uh, standing on the rooftops quite as much as you see in Toronto or or, or the United States. Um, but yeah, no, we're certainly b trying to build a community here. And uh, yeah, love seeing people like you here. So speaking of community, uh, we always like to uh, make sure that our listeners can uh, get in touch with uh, our guests after the podcast. Uh, how can how can people get in touch with you? Sure. I mean, you can always find me on LinkedIn, probably go Jan Christopher Arp. That's the easy way just to Add me on there. Shoot me a message. Uh, we can go on emails thereafter. Uh, you know, we have our webpage, everything Holt Exchange type of thing. So you can find it on LinkedIn if you want to follow what we're about. You know, we're really trying to be coast to coast across Canada, unite that fintech ecosystem. Because unfortunately, the provinces are too separated right now in terms of how they do business. Like we're in, well, I'm in Montreal. We have a, uh, and so therefore Quebec, we have people in Toronto. We have people out in Alberta and really kind of coast to coast as well as like internationally for, for, for our team. But what we have found is increasingly like everyone's still somewhat in their silos, right? And so that's why I'm very great to see from the, the movement of the prairies to unite some of the provinces together. Uh, and then hopefully maybe that'll be a learning lesson for other provinces to kind of take note to be able to do that. And so, um, yeah, so find us there. And if you're willing to embrace that cause, especially everything with financial services where we have a long way to go. And if you also believe that, you know, it is kind of really key. Every industry is impacted by it and every person is affected by it. And financial health is a massive issue as we go into a huge inflationary period. Love people to, to reach out and see if we can find ways to solve these problems together. Awesome. Sounds great. Well, thanks for joining us. Awesome. Thank you. 
Startupville is brought to you by Innovation Saskatchewan, helping grow the tech sector in our province and beyond, and is produced in partnership with Martin Charlton Communications at wetellyourstories.ca. A special thank you goes out to our friends over at Cultivator for allowing us to bring our Startupville Thunderdome on site at the 2022 Startup Summit to bring our listeners this exclusive content. We hope you enjoyed it. Our show is produced by me, Ariel Delorier, and our special guest host today, Mike Wellsfeld. Our theme music is from GG Riggs and Reactor Productions. Learn more about us and our guests at innovationplace.com slash startupville. Follow us on Twitter at startupvillepod and find us on LinkedIn at startupvillepodcast. Don't forget to review wherever you listen to podcasts. It really helps us rise up the ranks. See you next time on Startupville.